So the NRL All-Stars podcast, this is Barnsley, back for another Supercoach episode ahead of Magic Round in Brisbane. Huge week of Supercoach, huge week of NRL, and have none other than Billy Marion back on board after about three weeks now, Billy. So I've missed you a little bit. It's been a few weeks, big fella. So welcome back to the All-Stars podcast. You're right, mate. I needed a good couple of weeks to slipstream you. <laughs> oh, you don't need much time for, for that. Don't worry about that. Uh, how you been going in the super coach world? Has it all been uh, rocks and diamonds or you've been getting on a, an upward spiral? I think that you've been going pretty well, actually, the last couple of weeks. Um, yeah, I've been going well pretty much every week. I haven't haven't had one uh, horrible week yet. I've just been hovering around that 2% mark every week. I just haven't been able to sort of have that one round that pushes me right up, you know. I mean, I've been doing it without um, Reese, without uh, Walsh. So I've been, now that he's sort of going horribly, just been able to get a couple of pods to sort of get up there. So going all right, but um, I'm only just cracking that sort of top uh, top 1%, mate. Uh, but yeah, need to sort of get a few hundred points now, focus on the buys. Well, we do have the buys coming up. So that's really interesting that you mentioned that. We'll be talking about that a little bit more later on the podcast too. But for this podcast, for those that are maybe tuning in for the first time, it is the Supercoach episode of the week. So the All-Stars podcast always has you covered with everything rugby league twice a week. We've got the Supercoach episode that we record on a Tuesday, TLT Supercoach drops on a Wednesday. And then we've got the Talk and Footy episodes, which are all about rugby league and no Supercoach. And those ones we normally record on a a Thursday. This week it's going to be a Wednesday and, and drops around Thursday night before the round kicks off. Of course, this round being Magic Round, Billy, kicks off on Friday, so we don't have any Thursday night footy. That does give us a little bit more time, though, to focus on Supercoach, doesn't it? But you are in Brisbane. I'm in Sydney. Are you looking forward to a Magic Round, mate? It's, it's going to be all happening around your town. Yeah, mate. Looking forward to getting a few people from Penrith and a random South Sky up here. be a nice uh, atmosphere at the stadium. <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm going to go to any games, but 100% going to be uh, catching up with a few uh, few podcasters and a CSO mates for the first time. I'm going to find a pub around, um, probably probably around the stadium and head there for an afternoon on a pub, mate. Oh, that'd be fun. I'm pretty jealous. It's um, There's always a few people. I think, actually, I have to say, Anton, who everybody knows on the, in the Supercoach community, but also on Twitter and all the socials, he, um, Anton Posa, who's a massive New Zealand Warriors fan, and head of the Bunty Appreciation Society. I loved his label <laughs> of Magic Round. It was a schoolies week for dads. <laughs> it's pretty much about right. There's all these people that just go to Brisbane, not quite the Gold Coast, but pretty close, and they just congregate for this Magic Round. They get the leave pass for the weekend. They leave their families and they jump on the planes and they all get up there and get up to mischief for a weekend. It's a, it's a fantastic concept, and it pretty much is... Yeah, I thought that was pretty apt from Anton. I think it's pretty much, you know, Dad's schoolies week magic round for the NRL. It is, mate. I remember catching up with um, Wilfred for the first time uh, about four years ago and the blokes from the um, uh, the website NRL. Supercoast Talk. Yeah, yeah, they, those boys were all there. Met, met them all for the first time. It was nice, you know, but, you know, we um, I rocked up and Wilfred introduced me as, oh, this is Billy from NRL All-Stars. Uh it's funny how everyone introduces everyone from podcasts, you know, 
and you get there and um the uh, the I kind of figured, you know, we'll talk about the golf or the footy or something or other, but dead set the first 10 minutes of conversation was about someone's break even. I remember going, I'm going to go to the bar, boys. <laughs> <laughs> there are a few obvious for this conversation. <laughs> well, let's practice on that a little bit. Well, I will get up there for a magic round, but it's not going to be this year, that's for sure. My kids are way too young for me to have to pay for that leave pass for probably six months afterwards, so I'll just wait a little bit longer. But... Look, it is an exciting week, not just because it's magic round, but also we have a brand new sponsor and partnership with the NRL All-Stars podcast that I'm happy to announce, and that is with Picklebet. Picklebet is a fantastic bookie that you can jump on and have a look at. They specialise in esports, racing, and all sports. You can jump on there and bet rugby league or anything else. But mainly the big thing with them is, Billy, that they're pretty new to the market and they've got some of the best advertising that you'll ever see. They've got some great ads on Twitter and stuff. I love the Buzz Rothfield one where they take off in their 360. It's fantastic, but great odds, you know? So if you want to have a look at some different odds and stuff, which you should be doing, if you like to have a punt and you like to have some fun making some bets, have a look at Picklebet. Go on to picklebet.com, check them out. Great NRL odds that they have up on there. I've been following them for about a year now. And I tell you what, some of their specials and stuff are unreal. But, I mean, Billy's also into racing. Billy, I'll let you take the racing part of this pickle bet discussion because I'm not into racing myself. But for those that don't know, Billy's a racing extraordinaire. He spends hours upon hours, more than super coach he spends on racing. And you found one that you really liked on there, mate. So why don't you just hit everyone up with a, with that special? Yeah, mate, I love a, love a Wednesday special, particularly because they're, they're generally smaller fields and you get better odds with the, uh, a lot of the unknowns. But there's a... Yeah, there's a maiden race running around at Canterbury on Zony for sort of 10 in the field. It's a horse called uh, Vomo Island. It's had one run before, but it was it was a $2.60 favourite. I think it was uh, boxed in on the rail uh, first start. Couldn't get out, but when it, when it, finally, when it finally came out, motored home for second. So had a bit of a spell. It's um, It came back and had a trial uh, last week or the week before, and it led and, led and kicked uh, six, seven, eight, nine lengths. It was way out in front, so ready to run. Um, that was on a heavy, last, on a soft last time too, and the heavy's about to dissipate, so it's onto a soft track now. So you're getting basically same track, good barrier, good jockey. Just um, two, two box, two box eighty. It's my special for the day. Vomo Island race two. Vomo uh, Island race two, Canterbury. You can find that Wednesday afternoon on Picklebet. I tell you what, if you want to jump on Picklebet, make sure that you create an account with them. Use our referral code so they know that you came from the All Stars podcast. The referral code is just All Stars, all one word. Just put in All Stars where it says referral code, and you can jump in there, create an account today, and they'll take great care of you if you if they know that you're one of our listeners from the podcast. So, picklebet.com.au, go jump on there today, check them out, make sure you chuck the All Stars referral code in there so they can take care of you. Now, as always with any gambling, make sure you gamble responsibly. Think, is this a bet you really want to place? For free and confidential support, call 1-800-858-858 or visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. Well, we'll be talking to you also about some really exciting Picklebet initiatives that we're going to partner with uh, going forward as well, which is going to be fantastic, but we do need to get to this round of Supercoach. And I tell you what, the last round, we need to do a brief round nine review the good, the bad, the ugly, the Clint Eastwood segment. I'm going to let you kick it off here, Billy. The good, the bad, the ugly for your team in round nine. Ooh. Um, 
Well, I think everyone's good as obviously the uh, the shark, but we're not going to go there because I think that, I think that's too bloody obvious that one. So good for me, Sammy. When Karaz got uh, injured uh, a few weeks back, I was looking for an out, and I kept looking at Croker, <laughs> and then dry reaching in my mouth, and someone ended up pointing me towards uh, um, Sammy, pointing out the fact that he's uh, basically got the same number of tackle busts and hit ups as Karaz. So I took a punt on him and. He's been, he's been, get, got, been going all right for me. He's performing pretty 69 um, for someone that's basically a 1% owned. Is, um, uh, I'll, I'll, take that, I'll take that as a win, mate. So that's my good. That's a pretty that's a pretty good one. It's a real pod. It's, it's 1% under ownership, so that's a massive one. I'm, I'm going to keep it like real. Oh, no, not anywhere near is that pod story that you've got. Like I had no idea that you had Philip Sammy in your side. Um, but I went for Dylan Brown this week. That was a real game changer for me because I, like a lot of people, know that I, I pretend to hate on Dylan Brown because I, like, I really don't like parts of his game. But I just, I've never really fully gotten on board of as him being a super coach star. And last year, he obviously burnt me a little bit. But um, I was always planning on it this year. But I haven't loved what I've been seeing. I've kind of been biding my time. That worked out really well. 109 points from Dylan Brown on the weekend. Um, perfect time to trade him in. So that was certainly good for me. Uh, but you're bad, Billy. Give me a bad one from your team for this week. Can I mention the entire Penrith Panthers outfit? <laughs> That's a pretty easy one. Uh, look, everyone's got Cleary, so there's no point sort of going there. He was under injury, an injury cloud anyway. But, mate, it's a toss-up between um, Teruville and Garrick. Like, if I've got two two guns. Everyone's got two guns in sort of Cleary, Cleary and Chavoyage, both both under an injury, injury cloud. But Teruville, you know, playing against what... what the supposed bottom ranked team in the competition. Um, all of a sudden, you know, the the reins the reins opened up. Targo's gone, so so the Chinese wall is gone. The floodgates are apparently supposed to be open. And what happens? Right? His base halves because of the heavy, and the Tigers just do not drop the ball and completely dominate the number one team in the competition. <laughs> Terrific fails again. <laughs> Oh, I was I was looking forward to this week with Teruva. Like he was one of the reasons Me that was too. one of the reasons I was holding him because I was like, Oh, I've got to play him against the Tigers. That's the sort of game that just burns everyone that sold him. He gets like a ninety-eight or something. Did not happen, but I mean the, the weather took a big part of that as well. I traded in Alex Johnston. Oh, look, I was all over South to pump Brisbane. Just I thought that Alex Johnston would have had heaps of opportunity. I couldn't see him not scoring a try. Like I was I was that confident. And he ended up scoring 29 points. Very disappointing. But it was double disappointing because my plan for a, a few weeks now has been to fix my front row forward by getting Corey Horsburgh in. And this was the week that I penciled in. He was still cheap. It was going to be fine to get him in that week off the buy because the buy obviously didn't impact his price. I had a great feeling about the horse. I've been a big fan. I've talked about on the podcast for a few weeks. Because I ended up VCing Nicholas Hines, I didn't need to get Horsburgh in this week because I could loop via Welsh. So that meant that I had a, a second trade that I could go for upside. And my upside was Alex Johnston. Of course, the horse almost got 100 and Alex Johnston got 29. And that was all because I looped Hines that I ended up doing that. So, man, that was pretty bad for me. I was, I was pretty gutted because I am such a big horse fan. Uh Looking at his minutes, 70 minutes a game, I just naturally assumed he'd been playing edge and covering for someone. Has he been doing 70 in the middle at lock? He sure has been. 
Um, and that's why I was, uh, see, you've had a few weeks off. You needed to be listening to the All-Stars podcast. We could have told you the last two weeks. 71 minutes yeah. a game in the, for a couple of weeks in a row, and that's his role now. So he's he's playing big minutes in the middle. The problem is I'll end up buying him this week just off the back of that, and then my old mate um, Tarpany all of a sudden start getting 70 minutes, and he'll go back to 30. <laughs> well, well um, there's no way I'm not buying the horse this week. Like I, He was my plan last week, and he absolutely bit me for not buying him. So I'm definitely buying Corey Horsburgh this week, and it was such – it was – so bad that I didn't do it. Um, but how about the real ugly? Like, what's the real ugly stuff in your team for this week? I've got, well, mate, I've got a cracker for you. Um, after the uh, Panthers and Garrick debacle, I uh, I um, opted to take an auto emergency rather than sort of trade out sort of Welsh or Haas. I kind of figured, no worries. All I needed was uh, an, to take an A of Alamotti. Or uh, uh, Murdoch Masilla. Murdoch Masilla, second starting role at Al- Alamotti. He surely he can get 30 points. I needed 24 points to win a $200 head to head. We're going to watch the game. Alamotti's on four. Alamotti's on six. <laughs> Alamotti, 38. Beautiful. Alamotti, 38. Beautiful. Where's Murdoch Masilla? He's on the bench. Comes on at half time. Right, one point. All right. When you need, when you need another 23, big fella. Mate, it came down to the last two points of the. I was ahead by five points. What happens? Murdoch Masilla gets the ball, runs straight at my opponent who has two tacklers. Two points, four points, six points. I lost by two <laughs> because coach benched DMM. That is super ugly. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to beat that at all. That's really ugly. That's a bad way to lose a $200 head to head. Couldn't believe it. It came down to offloads and tackle bus updates. And the updates weren't very kind this weekend, we have to say. But uh, look, my one was pretty straightforward. I I was absolutely gutted. And look, I, really, the Alex Johnston one could have been the ugly, but I, I was just so upset and gutted that Ryan Madison ended up out. Like an hour before kickoff, no one knew what happened. Did someone shoot Ryan Madison at the stadium? Nobody knew why Ryan Madison just disappeared off the team sheet. And it was. I was going to buy him, but I couldn't. I couldn't afford him. Luckily, because lucky, lucky because uh, I wouldn't have checked the team list. Yeah, well, I think a lot of people would have got caught in that. But I mean, he was a, a pot of mine that I had in a few weeks ago. I got him after like one game, and was like, I'm going to get him in at one or two percent ownership, and I'm just going to take it. And he, he's been great. He's been averaging like seventy three points a game. He's just he's been really solid for me. And him going out on a week like this yeah. meant that I had to play uh, Sunny Luke. I think it was. That I put in, and it just it just got really ugly. The only saving grace was that I had Cardi that that obviously got the full eighty minutes, probably because of that. So he ended up with sixty nine. But I was just gutted because Maddo was my pod for the week, and he was obviously in a team in that your eels mate that absolutely carved up this week. So no doubt he would have had a big score. Oh mate, hundred percent. I was in the same in the same boat. I was going to buy Maddie for that that exact reason. Didn't because I was two grand short. I think so. Thank Christ for that. Ended up uh, playing Cardi, which was great last minute. But now I'm in the conundrum of okay, so I was I was half contemplating buying um, Hopgood back this week, but I thought no, I'd just sit back and wait and watch the rotation. Maybe maybe Cardi comes off the bench, and because because the Eels have got a, a, a forward pack issue at the moment, does uh, does Hopgood start and maybe go onto the front row and all of a sudden get 55, 60 minutes again? Now nah, Davy on the edge. 
Mano on the bench, Cardi on the bench, Hopgood starting. How the hell do you figure out what the rotation is going to be in that team now? It's very hard. Brad, Brad Arthur makes it really, really difficult. And look, it's a good segue into looking at the scores for the round and the top scorers. Speaking about the Eels and Brad Arthur, of the top 10 scores for the week, and there was 10 100-plus scores in the round, 40% of them were Eels players. Four out of 10 of the top 10 scores were all Eels players. Four out of the 10 tons that we saw were all Eels players. It was a big week for your Eels, mate. Mitchell Moses, 147 points, puts him in the top half a dozen scores of the year for Supercoach, and he just absolutely killed it and was at 4.1% ownership. Uh, the other guys from the Eels, seventh, Clint Gutherson, 113, 4% ownership. Dylan Brown at 8, 109, 17.2% ownership. Him and Hopgood, who was at number nine, 35% ownership with the two non-pods, and they were at 109 each. So if you are, if you stuck solid with the Eels, and some people actually made a pretty smart uh, Gutherson grab because he's been really solid for about six weeks now. Uh, you were absolutely in the money. And I saw that the team of the week had Mitchell Moses in there too. And then obviously traded Nathan Cleary to Moses, uh, which we're going to talk a bit about later. But your Eels absolutely dominated this round, mate, in the scoring. You'd think being an Eels supporter, I would actually own one of those players, wouldn't you? <laughs> That's heartbreaking. I want to buy one of them for you. What are you doing? <laughs> How do you not own an Eels player? Well, Hopgood's minutes got got cut, so I sold him because I didn't want to lose the value. Um, I'm a realist, mate. Cleary and Hines. Sorry, Moses, no room for you. I, I, cho- I chose Munster over uh, Brownie a couple of weeks ago, thinking I'll get Brownie later on. And Gutho, mate, I'm going to I'll stick with the injured Tavorich over <laughs> buying Gutho. <laughs> I've got the troll. So what do you do? Like, like, I can't fit any of them, mate. Yeah. Well, We'll also talk about the fact that Campbell Graham got 132 points as a third best scorer of the round. And oh, he just geez. continued on. He's he's just, if you grabbed him four or five weeks ago, you'd be so happy. He's just constantly in this top 10 scorers. 132 points. Absolutely carved it. And uh, Nicholas Hines, he's, his floor seems to be 80. Like he is just killing it. And that's another ton that he's thrown on the board this round at 126 points. Um, Lemuelu, 120 points as a good pod option. Looked fantastic. And Braden Burns, Billy's old pod favourite from pre-season circa 2019 at Souths. Uh, Burns is back. Braden Burns came in and scored 106 points and about 429 people own him in total. So, uh, Billy, it was it was certainly a round for pods, um, but there was some, some big guns that shone in that round. Certainly were, mate. It's just just a shame those pods don't fire when you actually own them in 2019. I think they. Probably, <laughs> yeah. I think I think it was a hamstring or something you did after about three weeks or four weeks. I can't remember, but yeah, certainly um, put the uh, handbrakes on for a while. I probably have to say as well, like I think you'd agree as well that I, I, what I've seen, and we're going to talk about strategy in a minute, and then we're going to go into market watch. But when we go into market watch, it's not all going to be shown there. But I think that a lot of teams are knee jerking off the weekend's results. And I have to say, if you go in and look at the top results and even some of the other top scorers of the round um, and the bottom scorers as well from some of the big highly owned players, I think the teams need to put it in, in perspective, Billy. One of the things that we saw this round was it was a really tough round fielding aside because there was a lot of uh, good players that were out and the Melbourne Storm were also on a bye. And it was just one of those weeks it was really tough. But the other thing too is that 
if you had more players at the start of the week, you were golden because the rain basically blew out two days of football, didn't it? Where you just had two days where, like that Roosters-Warriors game and that Tigers-Penrith game, they were debacles. Like you, you couldn't expect any of those players to score well, right? Because those four teams were just in absolutely torrential rain where there was just no way that, that you're going to get good super coach scores out of it. So probably one of those weekends where you're throwing away a lot of bad weather and needing to play some, not, you know, ordinary players as well. Yeah. It's one of those rare weeks where you, where you, you do your straight out captaincy on, on a Thursday night. Um, although Nico's getting to the point where you, you straight out see him any, anytime with a, with a season low of 96 or something, whatever it is. But um, yeah, certainly when the, when the wet comes, mate, it's your feet come out from underneath you. Just just like horse racing, mate. There's 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 nothing to grip onto. You, you can't you can't get going. The tack you, you try to tackle busting in the mud, mate. You can't step off anything. By the time the wingers get wingers get the ball, it's you know it's just it's basically a tackle on on the fifth set. They're not sort of getting any attack. The other thing that the rain does too, which which people need to realise, and this is important, like when you're looking at the weather reports, and like, look, I was saying when I recorded the podcast last week, it was I had to do it pretty quickly and pretty quick after the round finished because it was a short turnaround time from the the Tuesday to the Thursday, with well from the Wednesday to the Thursday because TLT was actually TLW with the Wednesday team list after Anzac Day, and I like I, I initially said, look, Cleary looks like a good captaincy option. I'm going to side with him for the moment. Um, I obviously changed my mind. It's a really good example. You need to be pretty fluid with information and stuff and having a look at what's happening and what changes are there in the round. And a lot of it happens after we record a podcast. And look, a couple of things happened afterwards. You know, after that podcast was recorded, we found that Cleary wasn't going to be kicking. That's a big cross. And then they had severe thunderstorm warnings for Bathurst and it was going to be underwater for the entire game and, in fact, the entire day which is a massive difference. So, you know, it, it just make sure that you're checking all this stuff because everything that all the podcasters and content creators say is great, but it's based off information, obviously, well out from the games. So you need to check that stuff. But one of the things that I always check the weather reports for, big reason is because the work rates will go down a lot in a lot of ways. One of the things that the rain can do is it can slow the play up a lot, Billy. So you end up with these... Real, this real slow play, and then you end up with a lot of errors, which are negative stats as well. But what the errors do as well is that they take runs and tackles away because the ball's not in play. And, you know, you just get that throughout an entire game constantly. Your tackles and your runs are down, your opportunities to score are down, and it's just a spiral effect, isn't it, on on those type of games? Yeah, exactly, mate. It certainly does put you on a downward spiral. Um, just on that Cleary piece, um, is he – I know we'll probably get to this when we get to the games – is he still under an injury cloud with his groin? Is he kicking again or is he... Um... Uh, look, uh, apparently he's recovered, but I don't know whether he's kicking or not. I think that we're not going to know until the weekend, really. So it sort of puts a bit of a cloud on him yeah. um, on the kicking. That's obviously the question of the week, and we'll get to that later. But, you know, to hold or sell Cleary. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. And we're definitely going to talk about that because he's definitely in market watch. Look, one of the things that I, I did want to talk about in our strategy chat this week... Um, it's going to be a really brief one. We're not going to go into it in a lot of detail, but one of the things that I saw that people maybe had misunderstandings about was how the big buy rounds worked. And that also opened it up to some strategy around it as well. So let me just quickly, for the listeners, Billy, just throw out there how the big buy rounds actually work. You don't have you don't have 17 players at score. You can certainly have a, a 17 that you that you put on the field 
So certainly choose a 17. That is your starting 13 with four reserves. But in the major buy rounds, which are 13, 16, and 19, it's your best scoring 13 that actually scores the points. So that's really important to know. So if you've got 14 or 15 players, only 13 of them are going to score anyway. That obviously opens it up to a strategy, um, and that's new this year, and they've brought that in just because I think the the buys every single round, at least one around, uh, some with three around, some with the big buy rounds, and it just makes it a real hard year. So they're going to limit the the scoring on those buy rounds in that regard to just the top scoring 13 that you have. Now, the other big thing as well, Billy, and I think this one's really important, is that normally your maximum amount of trades per round if you're not boosting is at two. On the big buy rounds of 13, 16, and 19, you'll be able to make three without a boost. So that's really important because you will be able to make four trades with a boost in 13, 16, and 19, and three without a boost. Uh, Whereas I think a lot of teams just thought it was only two for the 13, 16, and 19. You had to boost for that third. Not the case at all. You do get an extra trade opportunity in each of those big buy rounds of 13, 16, and 19. So, I mean, Billy, how do you... Uh, feel about all of that leading into round 13. Um, are you changing your strategy, especially with the top scoring 13? Like, what's, what's your way of being able to hit those big buy rounds? Well, I'm not happy on others having uh, four trades because I've burnt my boost already. So, try that out there. Uh, but seriously, you know what? That kind of opens up the strategy even more. I didn't realize that. You could, if you got someone like Alex Johnson, for example, the Let's say that he was playing Melbourne Storm, right? You would never really in your right mind sort of buy him for sort of that, that, that kind of round, but you know it because he's got a massive ceiling or a massive floor. You could chuck someone like that in your team knowing that if they, doesn't, if they don't perform, it doesn't count. But if, if they do, you get a basically a free hit at a potential 100. And if they, if they perform, keep him an extra couple of weeks. If they don't, then, then, then you sell them. Um, it's an interesting... It's an interesting uh, strategy you can kind of adopt with a couple of key pods. You can maybe look for someone that's a one percent or a two percent owned, someone that you would generally wouldn't have in your team at all. Look for look for the one person that might be you know, from the Dragons or someone other playing playing against the uh, the Dolphins. Um, chuck them in your team if it works. Great. If not, it's no skin off your nose. Yeah, it really favours a strategy of um, upside. Um, and your Alex Johnson point is a is a good one. Like I'd be stacking, you know, all those sort of centre wings in there and those sort of upside guys that can get multiple tries because you could have a couple of them admitted anyway. Like even if you've got, even if you're best 17, even if you're 17 that you put on the field, only 15 of them are playing because you might only have 15 players. That still means if you, you know, have two underperforming centre wings, they'll be cut because they won't be in your, your top 13. So you can just stack all these set of wings and top, top try scoring backs and so forth in there at the expense of maybe some forward slots. And that's a far better way to go because you've got the upside and, and most of the time you have a, a couple of those type of guys score badly. Uh, but generally, you know, if you had sort of six center wings, you know, probably you've got a good shot that four of them out of six will st- score pretty good. You'll actually not cop the two bad scores at all, even though you've selected them. And we all know that obviously... One of the super coach things that's really hard to handle is you always select the guys that you shouldn't in your center wing and you end up with the 29 and the guy on the bench has 110. You can kind of avoid that in the buy round and get all of them. So it's it's certainly a good strategy to look at the upside over like the four that can get you like 45 points on a buy round. Yeah, although being realistic, 
having another think about the comment that I just made, basically it means you have to have 14 or 15 players. Who's going to buy an anomaly just for a 14th or 15th player? It does have some upside, but I don't know many people that are actually going to have a full 13 for that round, knowing knowing what 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 teams are on the buy the following round with um, Knights, Eels and Manly. But those are basically all your, all your strong all your strongest players, which are going to be out for another round. So, got to be careful who you get for that long round because otherwise you screw the following one. Yeah, you got to be really, really careful with that round fourteen one, which we've raised um, the last couple of weeks in the podcast as well. So, you got to watch out for that. Obviously, there's some teams that um, aren't on that round fourteen buy that tick the boxes, like Cowboys and so forth, that do have some higher upside guys that you can maybe hit on. Um, but certainly. I think it's going to be hard for anyone to have 17 that round anyway. So I don't think that the best scoring 13 really handicaps anyone too much. Like normally 14 or 15 is normally pretty high for these rounds. And I certainly think like if you've got 14 or 15, that's your max. Uh, A lot of the time that you can probably fit out of the really good players for that big buy round, counting the fact that round 14 has those three teams on a buy. Yeah, it certainly does. The the only thing I keep sort of coming back to is... Obviously, you're not going to get any more sort of manly players. Garrick's the one you one you really sort of want, unless Olakwati kind of makes it. So it really kind of comes down to the the knights and the eels, you know. So how many how many how many eels are you going to have, and and are you going to trade sort of you know Cleary to Moses or Cleary to uh, Dillbags, knowing that even if they perform the next sort of couple of weeks. Um, what happens in that round 14 when Cleary comes back and plays with the Dragons on, I think it's a Sunday night with plenty of rest. So you could make sort of 50, 60, 70 points off those guys around 14 only for Cleary to double that when he gets back. So there's there's um, there's there's uh, arguments there to say, look, forego 50 points in one round because you, you, you might make it up the following round without even making a trade. You are the king of segues tonight, Billy. I should just call you the segue. <laughs> in the market watch round 10. Traded out players. Nathan Cleary is here. He's number four. Let's just go straight to him because Billy segues so beautifully to a Nathan Cleary discussion. 4.1% of coaches are trading out Nathan Cleary at the moment. Um, he's 885000 He's just dropped $87,000. So obviously... Big drop-off with that Tigers match on the weekend where he really didn't get anywhere near expectations at 44, although I will say 44 without kicking in that weather wasn't as bad. But he also dropped a sitter over the line where he should have scored a try. Did you watch that? Did you see him? That was 30 points gone begging um, with that try that he dropped. That was the one one game I didn't really watch, mate. Well, it was uh, he was over... He, it already busted through. He had to dive and slide over the line. And as he was sliding over, he lost the ball right before the try line anyway. So that was like the, the line break for 10, the 17-point try, the couple of tackle busts he had in there, and he, he would have slotted the goal too. So it was actually closer to 40 points. So he would have been in the 80s. Um, so, But he's got 161 break even. So this is the thing. He's, he's already bled cash, but he's still worth a lot at 887K. So you can get a lot out of trading him at the moment. His break-even means that he, he's going to bleed cash and he's going to bleed cash for at least a couple of weeks because he's just going to have that 44 and he's rolling. Um, the other thing is as well, I think that the the most popular trade is him to Moses. Now, we'll talk about Moses with the, the trade-ins, but we may as well raise it now. I've looked at this trade, Billy. Uh, I, I, don't really, I didn't see myself wanting to trade Nathan Cleary to any other half. 
aside from Nico Hines, obviously. But, um, you know, Nico Hines and Nathan Cleary are the two top halves. There's no getting around that. Outside of that, what are the options? To me, the only option was to look at Mitchell Moses. He's obviously just scored 147 points. And one of the reasons why I was scared of looking at even a Nathan Cleary trade this week is because I think that they bounce back against the New Zealand Warriors. The counter to that, though, is that Mitchell Moses plays the Gold Coast Titans, who give up an awful amount of points. Coming off 147, that's going to be in his rolling average for a couple of weeks, and he's priced at 695000 So he's almost $200,000 bank that you make going to Mitchell Moses. You could argue that he's going to score more against the Gold Coast Titans this weekend uh, if Nathan Cleary's not kicking in particular. And he's also someone that's going to cover that buy. So my theory was, if I decide to pull this trigger, that I've got $200,000 to upgrade elsewhere. And I've also got Mitchell Moses for a month of footy where he's got a pretty good month of footy, where he hits the Gold Coast Titans, the Canberra Raiders, South's a bit harder. And then round 13 versus the Cowboys is going to be a really good one for him as well. Uh, but then he does have that tricky round 14 buy. This is where it becomes really murky, okay? Because the Eels part play... Um, uh, multiple big buy rounds. They've got that next big buy round in round 16. They play that as well. But round 14, they don't. And round 14, like you mentioned before, Nathan Cleary actually has origin on the Wednesday and then plays the St. George Illawarra Dragons at 6.15pm on the Sunday, the largest turnaround out of any origin player, playing the Dragons. That's a 150-point possible game for him in a week that you've got Mitchell Moses sitting and not doing anything. So my idea was if I was going to go through with it, I was actually pretty committed to just doing it for a month and then trading Moses back for hopefully the same amount of money as what Cleary would be worth at the time and getting Cleary back in for round 14. I'm not sold on it yet. Have you looked at this Nathan Cleary sell scenario? Only about 72 times. Uh, That's all. Um, I keep coming back to the volatility with with Moses. Um, As much as... As much as I love him, obviously missing a 150-point game was uh, not very nice. But he still has 53s and 63s in there. I actually started dicking around with the idea of just moving Katoa up to seven and bringing in um, Brown instead because he just seems to be a couple hundred thousand cheaper or a hundred thousand cheaper. I can't remember the exact figure, but he is a lot cheaper because he seems to have a higher floor. He seems to score 60 to 70 uh, with ease with one set of tries each week, whereas Moses is more consistently trying to get clutch in order to get up there, whereas Brown has more a much higher uh, tackle and tackle bus count. So I kind of figured go that route and use the extra couple grand to get another player. So, so I kind of thought Cleary for two decent players is a lot easier offset than going Cleary to Moses. That's a bit more of a concern for me. Yeah, I think you get that second decent player though with the 200 grand left over, right? Like you'll have someone at 400 and something that's ready to be punted and you'll get a 600k gun easily with that trade yeah that's why i started looking at your um your option yeah. earlier um raiders um horse yeah horse i mean you could go a dud front row forward that's doing nothing that's like you know 300k and get horse in with that second trade by doing that mate don't laugh don't laugh but how many people actually picked up the um Greg last week. Oh, yeah. Greg, however you pronounce his name. Oh, look, it's, it was just out of desperation because front row forward's so bad and you just needed downgrades. I mean, and this is the thing. Cash has become really hard because everyone's looking for downgrades that aren't really there. 
That's, that's again. You, you, you're the king of the segue. You're segueing again, and we can't segue yet, Billy. We've got to talk <laughs> about Moses and uh, and Cleary first. All right, cool. We can't t- segue yet. T junction, hold wild. Right, well, let's go back to Cleary. So, I mean, he's playing the Warriors this week. Um, there is a bit of a worry that I have that he could kill it against the Warriors. That's somewhat offset against the fact that Mitchell Moses could go nuts against the Titans anyway. Um, the rest of the run for Cleary, though, after the Warriors, he's got the Sydney Roosters and then the Brisbane Broncos at Suncorp. So they're two not easy games. And then he's obviously got that round 13 bye. So I think that you could take a punt on Moses outscoring Cleary for that four-week period um, if you want to do that month. I think if you're holding it longer, though, you know, would you say that if you're going to get Moses and you just, or you're going to trade Cleary to someone that you do it throughout the whole buy period? Um, it's hard to say because last, having a, I was having a look at the numbers before and Cleary, after his first game of origin last year, went back to back with two tons. But then all of a sudden he went quiet and didn't play again. So I'm not sure how, how many, which of those games were arrested versus where these injuries sort of kicked in. So, um, and if you go back to the year before, it's too hard to gauge those numbers because the, the rule changes were different. Like you could add 30, 40 points to a game, so it kind of skews it. So I'd be, I'd be inclined to go for an eel, like Dylan Brown or Moses, and just chuck him in right until that kind of um, cover that second that second buy. And then depending on on, on what uh, Cleary's lineup is, then probably get him sort of round, round 16 and just take, take the rest that he might be rest of, rest of the game. If you, if you think his price is um, good enough to warrant getting him in for a VC or a C option, then otherwise you'd surely have to leave him out for those those next few games anyway. Yeah, I think the key is that um, he's he's going to drop a couple hundred thousand probably. So this is a, this is another way to make money too, where you can make a couple hundred thousand doing the right move without having to downgrade somebody to a dud that you're not going to play. You can actually do it gun to gun and then get that other gun back and have 200K in the bank that you already spent. So I will say, though, Billy, I think that it still holds quite a large degree of risk because obviously Nathan Cleary is very good. So I don't want to sound like that I'm sold on going Cleary to Moses. I'm not sold on it. I may not do it because Cleary showed us at the start of the year when people were jumping off what a gun he was. You know, he went 53, 40 points the first two rounds, and then he comes out and goes 77, 124, 158, and 86. Uh, and that 124 and 158 absolutely killed teams because a lot of teams sold after a couple of weeks, and that absolutely destroyed teams. The other thing with Cleary is against the New Zealand Warriors, when you're looking at the top four max score teams that he's got, when you're looking at the max scores that he's achieved over the the 17 NRL teams, uh, the number one score is 225 points against the Gold Coast Titans. The number two score is 190 points against South Sydney. The number three score is 186 against Newcastle. And the number four highest score that he's got, 169 points versus the New Zealand Warriors. And in fact, he's got an 84 average against New Zealand Warriors, which puts it up there with the top five teams on his averages. So he's enjoyed playing the Warriors before. I know people bring up the fact that defensively they're, they're really good this year. But until uh, before last weekend, three out of their four games prior to that, they led in at least 30 points a game. So I'm I'm pretty worried about his opposition. So it's not like this doesn't come without risk, Billy, when you're training someone like Cleary out. Yeah, just a couple of points to add. Um, it's not in it's not at Panther Stadium. It's in Queensland, so it's not, not not a home crowd. Not that it makes too much of a difference, but it does make a difference. You look at you know Storm and Bunnies when they play away. Um, 
Uh, it is a dry track. It should be a dry track up here, so it's not going to be a bog, so that's a consideration. But the, the Warriors home away from home seems to be on the Gold Coast and Brisbane, mate. They seem to have a lot a lot of fans here. Every time I've gone to watch a, a Brisbane Warriors game up here, mate, the Warriors... The crowd is just insane. They just turn up like it's like it's their home ground. So, don't be surprised if there's a massive Warriors contingent up here. Um, and the other thing is, uh, the guy that's coming first, I'm pretty sure doesn't have mo- doesn't have Cleary. So, you could look at it as an opportunity to maybe try and catch up some points on him, or you could use it as an opportunity to go. You know what? He 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 or she has already um, sold him. So. I can do the same, and if Cleary goes goes bananas, it's not going to hurt me because the person at the top doesn't have him anyway. If you're overall, let's move along from Cleary. The number one sold player at the moment actually is Reese Walsh, but total agreement with that. I think everybody can see that it's it's time to jump off him. He's done fantastic, but it's time to move him along. I guess the only thing is Billy. The second guy is another fullback, and that's Tom Trevojevic. He's playing the Broncos this week. He's been named to play. He's only 594,000. So unlike someone like Walsh at 725, he doesn't give you a lot to play with. I'm not as keen at getting rid of Tommy. Like it, it was different. Like last week, if you sold him because he was out and you needed players and you thought that he might be out multiple weeks and that, that was fine. But this week he's playing and he's only got a break even of 84. So I don't think he's going to burn you too much, even if he doesn't go well, yeah, to hold him for another week. Yeah, I agree with all that, mate. Um, if he was 700, 750, I'd be inclined to sell him. But if you do that, you're basically just going to be replacing Tom Trevojevic with someone else that can possibly do the job. And let's be serious. How many people have a really strong 17 this week? I mean, most people have 17, but given that you've got the Knights out, people are going to have Marzu out or Miller out or both. Um, so... There's always going to be one injury injury cloud or two. So um, it does make things a little bit trickier for that sort of 16th and 17th position. Um, yeah, but that's the, only thing I, that's the only other thing I had to add there. Yeah, I'm just not sure that teams have to do it either. Like there isn't any fullbacks that are screaming out that you have to buy them. Uh, so like I, I, just, I, I just hold him. How weird is that? How, how weird is that? You, you go back last year and it's Teddy, Puppy. <laughs> Latrell, there's a million. You could, could, you could, could have even used the opportunity to get in someone like Garrick, who's available at fullback. But there's no one. There's no one screaming. There is not. Um, Sonny Taruva, he's getting traded out. Look, he's he's lost a bit of money now. Twenty um, k this week, and he's only at three hundred eighty-seven thousand. So I'm just going to hold him because I think that I just need to trade out guys at a high value that I may as well get rid of instead of Sonny. But you know, I couldn't trade. I couldn't have a go at anyone for trading him out. Josh Schuster. He's made all of 30K in the last two weeks. He's been on the most traded out list. He's looking like he might be a month away. So maybe he makes it in time for that buy. At 271,000, I don't see any value in getting rid of him myself. Um, I think maybe if you had to, like it's fine, but you're not getting much out of it. And maybe he ends up being a number in round 13 for you. So I'm just going to leave him there. But the one that's really interesting that I want your feedback on, Billy, Tyrell Sloan, 511000 He went up another 47000 this week. He's now gone up over $212,000 for the season. Teams were getting him in last week. And when I said at the start of the podcast that I think maybe some teams were overreacting to a bad round, Tyrell Sloan might be one of the poster childs for that example. 18 points on the weekend, and all of a sudden he's gone from a top 10 buy to a top 10 trade out. And look, his 18 points was terrible. There's no getting around that. 
his break even's only 45 and he's playing the West Tigers on, like you said, a dry track. He's got nine, he's gone through nine rounds now and he's never gone back to back weeks without clutch attack in his stats. So against the West Tigers on a dry track, 45 break even. He can have some low scores, but you'd expect him to be able to throw out the clutch attack against the Tigers this week. And that's going to get him 45 at a minimum. But he's obviously got the upside where if he puts on multiple attacking games, like before last week, he went 1985 in back-to-back weeks. He's got that in him against the West Tigers. So I, 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 can't, I struggle, especially if teams only just got him in the last couple of weeks. I wouldn't be punning him with that matchup and all things considered and the fact that he's probably not really going to drop any coin. I wouldn't punch him this week, but I certainly wouldn't be buying him. That's for sure. I looked at him last week and I had a good hard discussion with Marty about it. And he ended up putting me on to Jack Bird instead. He goes, go and have a look at his numbers. And it was, it was right. Um, Birdie was least, the least expensive of all the, um, the, the half decent options around had, had a solid work rate, solid tackle bus. So I ended up going him instead. Um, because he's available at that seven three quarter position. So if you're going to go a dragon, I'd be going him. But if I didn't own Sloan, I'd be holding him one week and then seeing 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 how he goes in the, in the lead up to round thirteen. Because he just reminds me of the hammer, or to to a lesser extent, like a cheaper version of a uh, Walsh. Does nothing, then just has that clutch attack. Does nothing, then just just has that clutch attack. But those sorts of players, they're going to get him for. for from time to time, uh, particularly, <laughs> I said this about the Panthers last week, particularly if you're playing the Tigers, but surely the, surely the uh, Tigers can't go back-to-back. No, look, again, I, I just look at that as a throwaway game where it was pissing down rain. And look, the, the Tigers yeah. could go back-to-back. Like The Dragons are pretty bad, but the Tigers would give up points. And it's not even just the Tigers. Like, it's, it's the Tigers and then the Cowboys, and the Cowboys are giving up points at the moment. They're defending Ooh. shockingly. And he's got those those guys in round 11. And this is the thing with someone like Sloan. You know he can get a big score. And he plays round 13 versus the Dolphins in the big buy round. Like if you can keep that break even reasonable and not drop hardly any cash and get to round 13, he's a really good strike weapon to have in your centre wing. Because like we said in the strategy chat this episode, if he scores an 18, he won't count in your top 13 anyway if you've got 14, 15, 16, 17 runners. But he could score a 90. So he, he's a perfect guy to have in that buy round. And if he doesn't have a 150 break even, like it's only 45 and he's playing the Tigers this week, try and well, see if he can get you to round 13. Well, even better if you're in Monona and if for some reason he pumps up a 25 or a 30 this week, you've got uh, two low, extremely low scores in his uh, running total for a couple of weeks, then you can pick him up on the sly for, that, for a free stab at the um, Dolphins. Well, and I'm looking at that too, like as a non-owner, if I can, if I get to round thirteen and I'm looking at high upside set of wings, if if he drops, if he manages to drop a hundred k, then I'll, I'll look at him and he he might be a buy. But you know, I might not be able to because maybe he'll stick at five hundred eleven thousand plus, and I can't buy him as a round thirteen runner. And you've got him already in your side. Yeah, I I don't think you need to be selling Sloan at all. Katoa, both. Ellie Katoa and Isaiah Katoa, they make sense. I understand why people are selling them. Um, Ellie Katoa has been great, but he's got a massive break even. Warbrick as well. Uh, I get it. The last one that we're going to focus on, though, Billy, is big Greg Marju, who I know that you loved in the preseason and has busted out this year. 2.4% of coaches are selling him at the moment. And, look, he is coming off 
some of his uh, well, off his worst score of the year against your Parramatta Eels, thirty nine points on the weekend. Um, but I sort of saw that as a bit of an overreaction too, that people are just throwing him out. He does have the buy this week. I sort of think that teams would have other options to sell at the moment without needing a punter Marju. My spin on trying to keep Marju is that even though he's got the buy this week, he's going to come out of this buy round and hit the Gold Coast Titans in Newcastle. That's got ton written all over it. Like, remember this guy's first three weeks, Canberra, Manly, New Zealand. He went 122, 102, 92 in his first three games of the year. And he's got the Gold Coast Titans in round 11. Like, that is an awesome game for him. He's in 90% of teams at the moment. He'll probably be in 12% of teams maybe even by the time we get to that match. Um, that would be amazing. And after that, he's got the Sharks. Yep, tough game. Might not go well in that game. But then he's got Manly in a buy round without Turbo. They've already got Gerbo out. They'll probably have Ola Kuatu out and they'll definitely have Daly Cherry Evans out. That is a decimated Manly team in round 13 in a big buy where he could just go ballistic and get 102 points again like he did against Manly in round five. You know, I'm, I'm holding Greg all the way, um, but, you know, 90% of teams, 88 break even. I, I know that you've got him, Billy. How do you see it? I would not be selling him at all. Um, not, not, not until at least maybe sort of round, what, 15? Like he's got a run of, what, Rocco's Chooks and um, Panthers then, but... He still covers is which is the what's the last big buy round is eighteen or nineteen? Nineteen. So he covers thirteen and sixteen. Yeah. So he's he's gonna cover you on the second big buy round as well. That's the other big thing. Yeah, look, he's got some difficult he's got the buy rounds, he's he's gonna be playing some teams, uh some strong teams coming back from origin who are gonna be fatigued or depleted. He's then got a couple easier games with sort of he's got the dogs and the tigers. Then he has a, a bit of a mixture to finish off the year. Um, I just I just don't see a reason to sell him at all. At, at the very least, not until rounds of the 16, 16, 17. But by the time he finishes that, you're going to want him back. And it's not like he's going to score like nothing versus Panthers and Chooks. He's, I mean, he's, he's still scored, what, 45, 50 against their stronger teams. So I'd just be holding him for the entire year, particularly just looking at the bottom of the ladder. His very last game of the year is the Dragons. So if you're playing head-to-head... Your final, if the finals in round 27 this year, um, I'd want to have him for that. Yeah, and I'd look at that last score as a positive as well. 39 points in a game where they got pumped 43 to 12 at Convex Stadium against the Eels. 39's fine. Wouldn't, I'm not worried about that at all. So, yeah, I, I'm holding him all the way. Um, yep. Let's move along to the trade-ins. So, Buller... Number one trading player, 13.1% of teams at the moment. Bottom dollar fullback. Now, I think, Billy, if at this, you know beginning of the season we're looking at bottom dollar fullback, we, we'd both just write them off and just say, fullback only, you just can't do it. You can't take up a valuable fullback yep. spot. The landscape of Supercoach has changed in 2023. There's a lot of teams now that are only running one fullback at the moment anyway, which makes it a really easy in. Uh, and there's a lot of teams that have Reese Walsh there, which makes it, makes it a really easy in. You can free up over $500,000 by getting Buller in. And Buller at the moment, bottom dollar playing St. George. He might go very well this week. He's got a minus 38 break even, and he scored 60 and 38 points the last couple of weeks. He looks like an easy 50-plus this week against the Dragons. So he's going to make big money the next few weeks. And you could even get him in for a few weeks and sell him at round 13 to get in a real gun keeper type of player in at fullback. So 
I, I completely get it as a downgrade. Um, I wouldn't sell, you know, if you've got a, a top-shelf fullback that's killing it, like Latrell Mitchell, for example, I wouldn't sell a Latrell to him. Uh, but certainly if you're one of those teams that has just decided you don't want Travojevic or you want to sell him early, you know, that's a downgrade to fill up, to, to be able to free up some cash. But also if you just don't have a second fullback and you're just rotating center wing jewels in, it's a perfect time to get someone like Buller in to free up cash. Mm-hmm. Shame he's not about all the halfback. I put him there. <laughs> yeah, I don't agree with everything you just said. I don't have anything else to add apart from, yeah, you wouldn't be you wouldn't be selling any of your number one fullbacks. It's, and I wouldn't even be selling Trevojevic for him, but it's just that if you can get more information around that injury cloud closer to it, that would be the only reason you would want to do it because, yeah, like you said, the extra coin that you could utilise elsewhere kind of kind of offsets it a bit. I mean, you've got to sell someone before the origin, so um, if it's not going to be Cleary, it's an injured turbo or a couple of games out, it's not the worst idea. Yeah, and one of the things that I think that we're all seeing, Billy, at the moment is that there isn't these ideal bottom dollar cash cows that are going to pop out all every week, all year, right? Like we've had a bit of a drought of these guys that are 200K that are guaranteed to make a big amount of money. You know, Buller is one of the few that have come up in the last sort of three or four weeks. So if you're, if you plan on getting rid of someone like Turbo a week after this, then it makes sense that sometimes there's not an ideal opportunity to do it when you wanted to. Sometimes you've got to pull the trigger a week early and stuff. So it does make a bit of sense. He's a really good downgrade. I think he's a really good-looking player as well, and he'll probably go quite well this week against the Dragons. I think Gutherson's the second-most trading-in player. And then we've got Dylan Brown, the third, Mitchell Moses, the fourth, and Jermaine Hopgood, the fifth, mate. These guys were four of the top ten best scorers last round, and they're four of the top five buys this round. You know, you must be just loving being a Parramatta Eel at the moment. <laughs> as long as they... Mate, if we could have six... Uh, six forward rotation on the field at any important time would be killing it, but you can't. Yeah, I don't know what we're going to do there. This, the boys are certainly informed. I just love seeing how Cardi's playing at the moment. He's getting involved. He's uh, running, some, running some good lines. Hopgood's an absolute beast. Maddo is great off the bench or starting. And the, our one player who was absolutely brilliant last year, Lane, it just seems to have regressed a bit. He just doesn't seem to be hitting that line as hard as he used to, or maybe they're just going right a lot more. I don't know, but. Um, yeah, excited. Excited is uh, one word I can use, mate. <laughs> so let's let's break this down to the three backs, like Gutherson, Brown, and Moses. I think they're all good buys in yep. certain situations. Um, but for me, like I would rate Dylan Brown as the best buy out of the three, for the fact that you don't need to move a gun to get him. So at the moment, if you get Mitchell Moses in, you're obviously going to forego Nathan Cleary or maybe even Nicholas Hines. I'd certainly, you know, like to keep those two if I could. Now, obviously, I said I'm considering Cleary to Moses. With Dylan Brown, though, there's no consideration. I could easily put him at six, and I did that last week. So that's why I kind of rate him above Mitchell Moses at the moment because he's a much easier in because who you're getting rid of isn't going to be that good a quality. For Mitchell Moses and for Gutherson um, trade-ins that are going to be getting rid of someone, even like Walsh that's, that's floundering at the moment, those are real elite guns that you're getting rid of to get those guys in. For Dylan Brown, you don't need to do that, which is why I think that he should probably be prioritised. Yeah, agree. I'd put it in order. So, yeah, him and Moses then sort of guff. 
that, that, that's, that, that's my order, mate. I wouldn't be, I'm not saying um, Dylan Brown just because you, yeah, it's an it's an it's an easy way to sort of keep Cleary in the team. Um, I'm saying that because I just think uh, he's he's a better option than Moses at the moment. Moses obviously has the higher spike potential, but over a four or five game one, I think he's the safer option for a 75 average. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, and look, I, look, I could see. I, I wouldn't talk if a team came to me and said, "Barnsley, I'm going to Moses and Brown this week. I've decided I'm going to get rid of Cleary, and the 200k lets me go." Katoa with my bank up to Dylan Brown as well. No problem with that. Get both of them. Get Brown and Moses. I think that's fine if you decide that you want to, you know, take that risky clear out trade. If you've decided that as a team, I wouldn't worry about getting, you know, both those eels in, both halves. Yeah, I wouldn't worry about it. Another thing too is um don't just look at average. Look at look at look at um uh, overall score because it, it does make a difference. I mean Clearly, might average 15, 20 points higher than, than, any, any, than any other player in the halves, potentially. Um, but if you have a look at his five-game five game running score, um, you'll, you'll, you'll have players like Mitch Moses who, who ends up scoring, what, 100 points more purely because he's obviously not playing the bye. But if you take, but if you go if you go in and add in who you would have to play otherwise, it's going to be a score of, what, 20 or 30 or 40. So it kind of offsets... And differential between Moses and what Cleary's average would be over a five or six game run. Yeah, exactly right. And you, you've definitely got to take into account what games they're going to play, what ones they're going to miss. Um, I do want to give some love to Clint Gutherson though, because I feel like that we've both kind of prioritised a, uh, a Dylan Brown over him and also even a Moses with the ceiling. But Clint Gutherson, if you don't have another fullback, he has gone ballistic the last five weeks. He's been super consistent. He has gone 71, 74, 75, 86, 113 over his last uh, six, I should say, six straight. Um, he's been really consistent. And even if you take out the round four, he's actually been consistent all year. Before that round five game, he went 37, 84, 66, and 62. He's only got that one game where he's been below 60, Billy, and he's only got three games out of nine where he has been below 70-plus. Averaging 74 for the year. In 2021, he did a 75 average. And it really looks like he could do that again. Uh, scoring a lot of tries, but he's scored a lot of tries the last few years as well. It's just what he does. Against the Gold Coast Titans this week, uh, he obviously scored a hat-trick for 113 last week, which is low for his hat-tricks. Uh, I could see him turning up again this week. So, you know, we do need to give some love for Clint Gutherson. He's a really good pod trade and a 4% owned at the moment. Uh, him, Brown and Moses are all break-evens in the 20s. So it's one of those things where you're probably going to miss out on some of these guys. Gutherson happens to be the most expensive at 753000 and that's probably something that makes it a bit harder to get him in. Yeah. All right, calling the king for nothing, mate. But uh, for exactly what you just said, I'm certainly not trading uh, Turbo at sort of 600k for Gutho for an extra 150k. It's normally the other way around. It's only the injury consideration which has you thinking about it. Yeah, actually, I joked with a, a number of people that were talking to me about Gutho that, like, I really like buying him around this time leading into the buys too because the Eels always have the first big buy, it seems. But normally I'm yeah. used to paying, like, 500K for him because he, he has a <laughs> yeah. drops in price and you just wait for these weeks to sort of pounce on him. Yeah, yeah now it's like we, you're going to have to pay 753000 for Clint Gutherson. But, I mean, it's it's just how consistent he's been. He's been really good. So, Look, if a team's got the money, Billy, like if, if you got Reese Walsh straight to Gutho, that's almost a straight swap. Oh, I would do that swap at the moment. I, I think that's a good swap. 
Yeah, that's probably a better way to go. Um, I certainly wouldn't be trading Latrell or, or anyone else for him, but um, yeah, that break even certainly, uh, uh, I was going to say deal breaker there, but it's opposite of that. <laughs> good swap. Hop good, mate. Your hop god. He's a big forward for the Eels that has got his starting job back last week. Uh, he's 577,000. I've even seen people that have sold him talking about getting him back in. He's just got another ton again. Now, I don't want to downplay how good he is. I know that you love him, so I'm happy for you to take it away in a sec. But 109 points was great on the weekend. But before that, he was going 43, 61, 48, and 47. Now, 75 minutes on the weekend. It feels like everybody forgot that Madison was ruled out last week and he's back this week. That's going to make a huge difference. So I'd be really happy if I held him. But I, at his price, Billy, at almost $600,000, I wouldn't be buying him at the moment at all. It wasn't because of how he performed last week alone. Full on knowing Maddow was coming back, but it was more in relation to he's a hell of a player. He has been scoring well. Surely Brad's going to give him a few more minutes with um, with Campbell Gillard out. I mean, he's too good of a player to just rotate him for 45, 45 minutes. So does he push up in the front row and get 55, 60? But then I started having a look back at the... Um, the stats he was punching sort of uh, mid-year, and although he wasn't playing eighty minutes, he was still he was still only scoring 45, 55 with the with those sixty sixty two minutes. So that's all I can really see him getting anyway. I mean, he really does need to be playing with what matter completely out to to get those big scores and the big fellas back. Yeah, that's right, and I think a lot of teams just are uh, just bypassing that fact from last week and just thinking that you know he's he's back and he's hot court again he's not going to be uh, like I, I could not possibly look at him um, at the moment at that price tag Nico Hines makes complete sense Billy but the other big forward in this list and in fact there's only two forwards getting traded in the top 10 Corey Horsburgh 544,000 2.9% of teams are trading him in I've been all over the horse this year he's only in 2% of teams still like he's still going to be in only 6 or 7% of teams he's got a break even of 3 uh, but 544000 for a dual front row forward, second row forward is very attainable still. Uh, I've got no problem paying that for him this week. He's coming off 98 points, and granted it had a line break try assist, but look, the two weeks before he went 62 and 56 um, points, and they were all meat and potatoes. And one of the things that disappointed me a little bit is I've always been a Horsburgh fan because he always had some tackle breaks here and there, but especially an offload. He's always had an offload in his game, and he just hasn't done it this year. Last week, he had five offloads, and that's exactly what I want to see from Horsburgh. 70 minutes, 71 minutes, and 71 minutes the last three weeks in a row. He's 100% looking the goods, uh, and he's going to play round 13 unless he gets selected in origin. And he doesn't have that round 14 tricky buy either. All over Horsburgh this week, Billy. I actually can't believe that it's only a couple of percent that are trading him in. I'm, I'm really happy that he's still going to be an Uber pod. Yeah, I think he's my trade as well. I think for me, it's going to be... Um, uh... Cleary to dual bags and someone to someone to horse mate. So just not sure who the sacrificial lamb is going to be yet. You're starting to run out of options. Like it's, it's down to dregs like, you know, BMM or Schuster, but those guys could end up playing and scoring 25, 30 in that round. So uh, do you get rid of someone like that for someone, for someone that might, might, might only score 30 points more? Who knows? I would because I reckon that you're going to be playing horse most weeks now. Look, I'm trading him in as, to be my, yeah, my second yeah. front row forward. 
because I think a lot of teams have got a hole there as well. Like he's he's someone I think you can start every week at the moment, and he's going to be solid. Certainly better than Wall than Welsh. Oh jeez, he's got that extra fifteen twenty points you could cash in. Yeah, Welsh has been so disappointing. I, I tell you, like Welsh is now a poor man's horse. You know, I think at the start of the year we would have said horse is a poor man's Welsh. Other way around now. How t- how times have changed. But look, Billy, the last three are actually all downgrade options. So it'll be interesting what you think of them. So we've got Max Fenai, Jared Croker, and Tyrone Peachy. Uh, now, first things first, um, you know, Fenai is only 235000 Peachy's 289000 They're relatively cheap. Um, Jared Croker's 336500 He's just gone up 56000 Well, I'm not keen to pay that money for Jared Croker for a downgrade because his break even's only minus eight. And we all know that Croker can score pretty poorly. Um, so I'm I'm pretty down on that at 336500 just because of the price point. Do you see Croker differently, um, even though he's just gone up almost 57000 No, nah, I've got no idea on the job security, mate. That's the reasoning. Um, he could be in for what his... Uh, his uh, was it 300? Was it his, what was the milestone he had? Was it last week or this week? 300 matches? Yeah, he hasn't got there yet. He's still got a couple more left. Yeah, I mean, what's to say? He gets there and they get rid of him. Who knows? I, I just, he's the same old croaker too. He needs to go over the line. He needs to kick goals in order to get there. Otherwise, you know, pump a 17, yeah, um, score for you. I, I'm just not sure I want to have that, um, that capability even for a sort of fifth and sixth, seventh, three quarter because Knights are rested this week and then you have someone else rested and someone else rested. It's really, I don't want to be in a situation where I have to have that one week where I have to play as a fourth. That's all unlikely, but I just don't want to do it. Yeah, I think you're much better off saving 100 grand and going for someone cheaper. Um, in saying that, like, um, Fainai is someone who's scored 63 points on the weekend, but it's only his second game this week. So, I mean, he's probably the best-looking prospect for Supercoach as far as the downgrade, but he's only played the one game. Um, it is against the West Tigers this week, though, so you could argue he might even be a pretty spicy play at 1%, 2% ownership. Um, whereas Tyrone Peachy, 289000 he's got job security issues himself, um, but he did end up scoring a try on the weekend and, and scored 54 points in a terrible game. And he's now scored 43 and 54, and he's about to go up money and has a minus 11 break even. So, you know, take your pick out of these few. I mean, I think that I would just try and save the money and go to a Fainai because he's only 235,000. But, you know, there, there might be some arguments for a PT as a second row four that might get center wing eligibility down the track as well. Oh, who knows, mate? But I'd be going to buy coverage person, just personally. Yeah, and that brings it down to Croker and Fenai and, again, save 100K and just yeah. don't go Croker, I think. But, yeah, I understand why people are looking at it. At least for, at least for Fenai, he's a winger. He'll pull out of a line. Croker, a centre, yeah, not exactly a good one either. So it's not like he's going to be a Targo or a Crichton and just be dominant and go over the line by not giving it to any, any, of, his, any of his wingers. All right. Quick fire machine gun TLT. But uh, Canterbury Bulldogs, Canberra Raiders, first game of Magic Round. Uh, I think the big news is that Max King's back. That's awesome for Max King holders. Uh, Jacob Carraz returns as well, who might end up being a buy pretty soon because yeah. the Bulldogs do play the round 16 big buy. 
and Carraz was an absolute weapon. He's going to go down in cash really nicely. But on the Canberra Raiders side, uh, not really any big changes. It's all pretty much the same side, aside from Savage coming in on the wing for Hopperhardy. Uh Billy, first game of Magic Round, bit of a dud, the super coach. No big VC options, I don't think. No big uh, C options on the th- on the first game. <laughs> I think they're giving people the chance to finish work and get out, get out to the games, mate. So I think you'll find a big one through on the uh, on the Saturday. Yeah, so I don't think there's going to be any huge ones in this one. Um, I am a Matt Burton holder. I'm happy to um, have him for this one. I think it's going to match up pretty well. Obviously, it, it's you know, the horse is a big play for this one. But really, yeah, we're clutching at straws. So I'm just going to say that I'm not even going to bet on pickle bet on this one. I'm just going to move along to the next one, and that's the Seagulls and Broncos. Talking about tough ones to bet on on pickle bet, uh, this one is really tough. Manly with Tom Travojevic back, but Jake Travojevic out versus the Broncos at Magic Round at Suncorp Stadium. And the Broncos get Mam and also Payne Haas back. This is one of those ones, Billy, where it's you've got the big fullbacks going head to head, and there could be an argument that you do VC one of them uh, for a bit of a pod early VC that you'll be able to loop. Tom Travojevic on one leg, potentially, or is he healthy? Who knows? Uh, but against the Brisbane Broncos at Suncorp on Magic Round, do you see him as a VC option if you need to see someone like the next game, like a Nathan Cleary? Yeah, he was my option only because I couldn't really think of anyone else. Um, I think Hines plays early enough that you've, if you're going to do a VC before Hines, you've pretty much got to be this game or the next. Um, so for that reason, I've, cho- I've chosen your turbo. Yep. Well, I think it's a pretty fair call to go for a turbo VC. He has had some big games against the Broncos before. Um, and obviously, it's a different manly side at the moment. I would expect a bounce back. They've had a lot of bad media coverage and stuff. Um, generally, they do get a bounce back. He scored 120 points versus the Broncos previously. But the next game, like you said, on the Saturday, we have the Warriors and the Panthers. It kicks us off at 3 p.m. CNK is back for the Warriors, which is going to help them out. On the Panthers side of things, they're obviously going to try and come out hard, I think, because of last week's loss to the Tigers that was super unexpected and... You wouldn't have even backed them on the money line on pickle bet because they would have just been nothing at all to bet on a dollar eight. This one here, the Warriors obviously have had some good form at times this year, Billy. But Cleary, if we find out he's kicking, to me, he's going to be a premium captaincy option for this week. Does the kicking make a difference in whether you see or VC Nathan Cleary? Not really, because there's no way in hell I'm not having um, a VC or a C on Hines, and obviously. Uh, Two people playing the same position kind of negates that. So if you own, as far as I'm concerned, mate, if you own Hines, there's there's no option for Cleary at all. I'm going to have to agree. And I didn't think that I would say that because this just looks like such a good Nathan Cleary captaincy week bounce back after a terrible showing last week for the Penrith Panthers. But yeah, oh, I think the Panthers will do the Warriors pretty easily this week. I think they will bounce back. But this next game right after it, the Sharks and the Dolphins, the Dolphins have played well this year. They're playing at Suncorp. The Sharks are much better at Shark Park, Billy, but you're right. Like There is no going away from the fact that Nico Hines went 126 last week. And against the Dolphins this week, I don't care how well they've played, I can't go past Hines this week. Like When you look at his numbers, if you captain him the whole year, 
you got a captaincy that went 180, 102, 89, 97, and 126. A five-round average of 119, and that's his five games he's played this year. That is just amazing. I can't possibly take the C off him. Are you doing the safety of the VC against the Dolphins, though, up at Suncorp? I need to have a look at what my AE or automatic emergency is going to be because if it's going to, if I end up getting rid of BMM or an Alamotti and it's not too bad, um, and I can guarantee a floor of you know, sort of 50 or something or other, then I would contemplate putting the VC on, um, on Nico just in case he actually breaks a leg or something or other and I can cut to someone else later. But there's no way in hell I'm going to VC someone else and go straight into Nico because Trevojevic could score 130, 140, and I still wouldn't lose. That's how dangerous I think Nico is this weekend. Mm. Yeah, I think the outright C is probably going to be the way to go, to be honest. Because because if Turbo ends up scoring, what, 140, 150, Nico could do you know the same in his sleep versus this mob, and then all of a sudden you're getting an AE of 12, and the people that Captain Nico still get to play their their strong their strongest senior quarter. Yeah, unless he's playing one of the top couple of teams, it really does look like that you need to just put the C on Nico every week, which is super boring. But Billy's right; like it, stuffing around with the VC with Hines can burn you a little bit, uh, and especially against the Dolphins this week, he just looks the goods. Um, and in fact, on Pigglebet, you'll get the Sharks for around about a dollar forty. And that's one of the best bets that you can make all week, I reckon. I really like the Sharks in this one. The Militalo and Katoa on the wings. I can see them scoring at least a try each. And Militalo's at 700k, but Sione Katoa is under 500k. And again, he had a really solid 55 last week um, where he scored a try with a couple of tackle busts. He's still waiting for that big game. If you're looking for a downgrade for somebody this week that you can play and that's going to free up some cash that you need for your other trade, but he's going to be, you know, playable each week. $490,000 for Katoa at the moment. He's a downgrade that I would consider um, potentially as well. I I think he could go well this week. Uh, On the Dolphins, I do need to mention one guy, Billy. It's not a captaincy or vice-captaincy option, but Tessie News back, which is good for draft, um, and I'd be targeting him in draft. Um, but you and Aitken has very quietly the last few weeks become both unattainable but also a really good buy if anyone got on him. Um, Aitken's stats the last few weeks, I think a lot of people would have bypassed. He's got 91, 99 and 79 with his first three tries of the year. So he's gone three weeks in a row with a try, but across that three weeks with the try, he averages 90. And that's because his raw base in the last three weeks has been 42 points a game in raw base without his base attack. He is having a really good year as a dual centre wing and second row forward now at 62 points a game, and he does play round 13. Um, he's 682,000 now. So the ship has somewhat sailed on him, Billy, but we haven't really talked about him enough the last few weeks, and people that got on him got rewarded massively with him as a pod. Yeah, I only started looking at him like, yesterday afternoon or this morning. I can't, I can't remember, but, yeah, I, I did I did look at that one and think, wow, um, Mr. Baronet. I still looked at possibly picking up him up um, and then realised I think they've got the buy next week. or Yeah, they do. Round 11's their buy after this week. So that kind of deafened it a little bit too. But yeah, I was, I was looking at a dolphin to sort of pick up and I started looking towards that Jeremy Marshall King that you pointed out uh, about three or four weeks back and thinking, 
He's had a hell of a run. He's got the, the second highest average for a hooker at what, 72 or 73 or something or other. Good tackles, doesn't make too many runs, but I'll tell you what, what he does, he makes them count. It's, and I, I, um, so I kind of figured ooh, Mark might have been on the money there. So, um, yeah, by the moral of the story, I'm looking at it sort of a dolphin or two to prop up the team, and uh, those are the two I landed on. Yeah, the, the cheap option for this week, and, and this is a bit of a long-term play, uh, on the weekend, Connolly Lemuelu got 120 points, and he did that scoring two tries, but in saying that, he is centre-wing second-row dual eligible at 520,000. So 150k less than what Aitken is, and he's got a minus 19 break even. He's averaging 58 points a game, so he hasn't been as good as Aitken this year. But he does have a really good floor, um, and he is at the moment bottomed out basically just over 500k. So he's someone that plays round 13 that you might want to consider this week as well. The problem is, Billy, that he's got the Sharks, the Bind, and the Storm, and the Storm's um, going to be up there at least. But that's that's two tough games in a bye before they have the really good run of the round 13 game against, say, George Illawarras. So the draw is not great for Dolphins, but he's someone that you kind of need to buy now. Yeah, he's um, not a horrendous floor, but a kind of a really low floor. I looked at him when he was on, as a scapegoat for a cheap out a couple of weeks ago as well. I think it was last week, actually. Um, they opted against it. That's where everything, everything that you said Um I think he'll be too high a price by the time you actually get to around 13 to buy and there's no guarantee he'll go the line for a line break try anyway. So you would basically be bringing him in for what, potential 40, 45. So I think unless you really, really need someone this week and at that price, there's probably a lot better options. I think he's probably a pass forever. Yeah, I'm, I'm in two minds about him. I don't want to write him off too much because I think like this is one of those things where some of it's a bit of an eye test. Yeah. Uh, I think the last few weeks, because he's someone who was an outside back that this year started as an edge back row, and he's had that starting job from round four, and he's run, won it on merit. And even though the guys like Kafusi and Bromwich came back, he still stayed on the edge in the 12 jumper. Yeah. That's probably going to be his job for the rest of the year. He looks like a comfortable number 12 now. Six weeks ago, he didn't look as comfortable as what he does now, and now he's running these great lines off his half, and he's he's doing a lot of really good stuff that edge back rowers do. So, I think you could take the punt. Maybe it's sort of like Aitken three weeks ago, right? If you looked at his numbers, you went, "Oh, look, it's okay. It's, it's not worth buying him though." But if you saw something in him, or you thought he had potential down the track, then you would have got rewarded, even though there was a risk there. With Connolly, I think that he has looked a lot better the last few weeks. So. I think he's got his best games ahead of him. He's also got an injury-affected game of eight points that if you take that out, he actually averages more than the 62 points that Aitken averages because uh, he only played 19 minutes for that eight points. So, yeah, I think he's got some upside coming. Um, so if you don't have anyone locked in for this week and you need someone from around 13 or you like a duel in there, I wouldn't talk anyone out of buying him. I reckon I've got a good feeling about him going down the track. But the Storm and the Rabbits... It's it's a real blockbuster, isn't it? And normally in these games, you kind of stay away from the captaincies. But we do need to talk about Latrell Mitchell. Mitchell has been the best fullback in the game the last month of football. And it's a stark contrast from the first five weeks where he definitely was not. He's now got a run of almost four tons in a row, 146, 121, 102, and 96 points on the weekend. He is running hot as, and he's almost a million dollars at 962,000. Uh, if you own Latrell Mitchell at the moment, oh, I think you'd be tempted to maybe even go for the run as a pod captain, wouldn't you? Because he's just 
he's playing that well. Obviously, Hines is there, but if you're going to VC Hines, if I had Mitchell, uh, I'd seriously consider captaining him if, if Hines is going to be a VC. Paul was going to do that route. He'd be the, one of the very few that I would consider. He scores well against any team. Obviously, the, the lower-ranked teams is where you get the 150s, but if Hines were to fail, mate, he'd be one of the few people I would trust to put some points on the board. He just seems to push them out of, right, out of the way and rack up six points per run. He, he runs so infrequently that he has so much energy for tackle bus, tackle bus, run, tackle bus, tackle bus, uh, run, add it offload. Then when, then when someone goes over the line, there's a there's a kick for goal that he adds in there. But what you, need, all you really need is one line break try from him and there's your sort of 70 points because he has so, he has so many six-point runs and a couple of uh, dropouts and a couple of goals that um, he, he just puts the points on pretty quickly when he does get them. The Tigers-Dragons is our third last one for Magic Round. So many tight contests. And if you have a look at Picklebet, you'll see a lot of these teams are pretty much priced you know, as uh, who knows which one of them is going to win. Tigers, Dragons, there isn't anything to talk about as far as captaincy options. I'm going to mention, though, the Dragons have got a huge amount of changes, but somebody in there that's has started to become relevant that people have asked about is Jack DeBellin. DeBellin is uh, like the guys like Horse, a dual front row forward, second row forward, and he's played 80 minutes last week, and he scored 71 points. So two games before that, he played 68 and 80 minutes, and he scored 63 and 52 points. Totally meat and potatoes. Um, those last three weeks where he's played the big minutes, he's averaged 56 and a half points per game in rural base. And that's basically what he's going to do a lot of the time. But I think the big thing this week is Billy, he's been named at 10. And the last few weeks, he's been a 13, starting 13. Jack Bird's moved back to 13. And I think that's a bit of a worry for Jack DeBellin if you're going to pay 550000 Also, the fact that Hook might lose his job any week and then maybe he loses minutes to some of the young guys as well. So that's why I'm not really seeing Jack DeBellin, even though he does cover round 13, even though he is a dual um, at his price point and with the uncertainty on roll, I'm not a fan of it. Yeah, I looked at him too for that reason. Um, and although you said uh, a lot of extra minutes, it is all meat and potatoes. There's no offloads, there's no tackle bus. It's just 30. I think I think he even had one game where he had 50 51, 53 tackles, but the rest were sort of 40-point games in tackles, three or four missed, and then hit-ups were only like 12, 13, 14 points. So it's basically, you know, half 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 a run for every tackle with zero touch, and he's, he's not exactly what, one of those big sort of line-bending-type line type blokes that's sort of going to push, push himself over for a try. He's not, not exactly quick, so... Uh, reminds me of Jado now. So it's not a complete no, but uh, a no nonetheless. So the next game is the Cowboys and the Roosters. The Cowboys just can't seem to turn a corner at all. The Roosters won 14 0 last week, which sounds very unflattering, but the rain was awful. The Cowboys, though, they're, they're 44 6 against the Sharks, and they look dreadful. They are giving up so many points at the moment. Um, now, you've got a Roosters side who. Someone like James Tedesco has, you know, thrown up big scores against him in the past. But Joey Manu has been captained by a lot of teams the last two weeks while he's been playing six. He's at six again. He has scored 118 points when he hasn't played centre previously in a matchup against the North Queensland Cowboys. Uh, so he does have that big score in him against the Cows previously. The Roosters last year absolutely towered the Cows. Uh, guys like Manu 
uh, a pod captaincy option, especially for the head-to-head players, because he scored 63 points in the pouring rain last week. He was in the 90s the week before with all the tackle busts and the try and the line break. This looks like a game where guys like Manu could absolutely carve up. Yeah, sure is. Although it comes back to that risk risk versus reward kind of model, mate. How much extra upside is there for him? Like he has to play absolutely out of his skin to you know to get to that one one thirty one one forty range. So he's probably a C option for the ones that don't own Hines. Um, he's also probably a C option for the ones that want a VC Hines that have a decent bench and a limited a limited nightmare AE situation. But then again, that comes back to people not owning someone like Luttrell. Uh, I, I would have Luttrell one hundred percent over him. Yeah, I, I think you need to. Look, I think that there's a chance that the, that the Chooks put a big score on the Cowboys. Um, but yeah. I, the, the Roosters haven't been in massive form either, though. So it's not something that I would bank on. Uh, one thing to be careful of in the game, Billy, is that we've got Sam Walker in the extended bench. And yep. because we've got Momorowski injured, we put Drew Hutchison at centre. Hutchison has been a terrible centre. I wouldn't be surprised if... Yeah, Someone absolutely. like Walker comes in, Manu moves back to four and plays in the centres, and that would be a disaster if you ended up captaining that because at centre he's not going to put it put it together. Yeah, I agree. He's still going to score 60, 65 points at centre because he's going to get in, you get the tackle bus, but you're not going to get his hands on the ball every, you know, every, every set from that position, which is the difference. The Titans versus the Eels finishes off the week. Jeez, I'd, I'd love to have only played 10 players by now because I'd love seven Eels for this week. <laughs> it's, uh... And for fear. <laughs> look, look, look at all these guys that could fire. Guffo, Moses, Brown, Sevo with a quad. Come on, come through, mate. Uh, yeah. Somehow didn't score last week when you scored in the 40s. Somehow didn't get a try. He's due. Uh, Madison's back. He's on the bench. Uh, look, there's just there's so many guns in this side versus the Gold Coast Titans. Um, coming off some good scoring outings lately, we've talked about you know, oh look, maybe you could go Manu for your head to heads if you need a hail mary or whatever. Any of the eels spine is a big C option if you need one after going a VC early, and if you need a hail mary, uh, I could see a Gutho, a Moses, or a Brown all going massive. Moses, like you said, has has a much worse floor, so it might be harder. Um, but certainly Gutho and Brown, I can't see going below a 60 or 70-point game uh, as a floor and obviously have that upside. So this looks like it could be a really high-scoring last game of the round. I don't want to jinx it, but I agree. It's a reason why I want to bring in sort of Moses, but at the same time, it's not at the expense of someone else who can score the same. So... Going to try and get the dual bags to this one, mate, and hope, hopefully it's uh, his turn to go over for a double. Got Andrew Davey starting as well in the back row in this one. Uh, it's quite weird. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a last-minute switch. I've also seen people yeah. really annoyed that Ryan Madison's on the bench. Um, I think we need to remind everyone that last year when he was coming off the bench and doing this, he was scoring just as well or better than when he was starting, so it really didn't matter. And the thing is, Hopkins wasn't there last year, so, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're obviously going to play Hopgood if you got him, but I would, you know, if I owned him, I'd play him because I couldn't not. But I would I would be quite concerned and aware of the risk with that bench with Ryan Madison on there. Yeah, agree, mate. You honestly wouldn't know which player is the one to own um, because coach could change his mind at the last minute. And also you don't know what the, what the makeup of the team is actually going to be because one, one week you got... Uh, one lot playing 60 minutes and the, 
then the next week, no changes to the team whatsoever, and all of a sudden he's playing 10, 15 minutes less. Just, uh, I just, I can't make sense of the lineup yet. No, I can't either, but I'm going to pick the Eels to win and I'm going to bet money on them on pickle bet, that's for sure. And the over, because the over, you know, could be at 100 points and I think they're going to score over that between the Titans and the Eels to finish off magic round. It's it's going to be a bit of magic on the scoreboard here, Billy, to give all the punters what they want. Certainly will, mate. So that does it for the podcast, mate. Thanks very much for jumping on. It's been a few weeks. It's been good to chat footy with you. I've enjoyed having you back and we'll get you on again in the next couple of weeks to chat again some super coach. All good, mate. Let me have a hangover in peace first. I'll enjoy Magic Round and we'll catch up with you there, mate. All right. Smash you, Magic Round, mate. Make sure you have at least 17 rounds for me. And for everyone listening, make sure you download or stream the podcast or subscribe to it. You can do that on SoundCloud, on iTunes, on Spotify, on Amazon. We are everywhere. Also, follow us on Twitter, NRL underscore SC underscore All Stars. And also, jump on our fantastic partner and sponsor, Picklebet. Go on to picklebet.com right now. Have a look. They are a fantastic bookie that is absolutely killing it at the moment with their odds and all their things that they're uh, offering in sport, racing, and also esports. So jump on there, gamble responsibly, but make sure you use our referral code so that they know that you're coming from the podcast so they can take great care of you. That referral code that you've got to put in is all stars. Just one word, all stars, and that's it. Pickle bet, jump on them, have a go today. Thanks very much for listening. We've got a fantastic talking footy podcast this week that I'm recording with Perso. That's going to go up before Magic Round kicks off. Talk everything rugby league. Otherwise, we'll be back next week with Supercoach. Enjoy Magic Round, whether you're attending or watching on TV. I'm sure it'll be magic. Have a great time with your Supercoach decisions. Can't wait to chat about all of them again next week. Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on, go.